0: Chapter 23 of Mother Carey's Chickens. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Joyce Martin. Mother Carey's Chickens by Kate Douglas Wiggins. Chapter 23 Nearing Shiny Wall another person presumably on the way to shiny wall and peace pool but putting small energy into the journey was that mass of positively glaring virtues julia carey more than one fairy must have been forgotten when julia's christening party came off no heart-to-heart talk in the twilight had thus far produced any obvious effect she had never even when very young experienced the desire to sit at the feet of superior wisdom always greatly preferring a chair of her own. She seldom did wrong, in her own opinion, because the moment she entertained an idea it at once became right, her vanity serving as a pair of blinders to keep her from seeing the truth. The doctors did not permit anyone to write to poor Allan Carey, so that Julia's heart could not be softened by continual communication with her invalid father who with gladys ferguson constituted the only tribunal she was willing to recognize her consciousness of superiority to the conditions that surrounded her her love of luxury the silken selfishness with which she squirmed out of unpleasant duties these made her an unlikable and undesirable housemate and that these faults could exist with what Nancy called her everlasting stained-glass attitude made it difficult for Mother Carey to maintain a harmonious family circle. It was an outburst of Nancy's impetuous temper that Mrs. Carey had always secretly dreaded, but after all it was poor Kathleen who precipitated an unforgettable scene which left an influence behind it for many months." the morning after mother Carey's interview with gilbert she looked up as her door was pushed open and beheld julia white and rigid with temper standing in the threshold what is the matter child exclaimed her aunt laying down her work in alarm close behind julia came kathleen her face swollen with tears her expression full of unutterable woe julia's lips opened almost automatically as she said slowly and with bitter emphasis Aunt Margaret, is it true as Kathleen says that my father has all your money and some of Uncle Peter's? Something snapped in mother Carey. One glance at Kathleen showed only too well that she had committed the almost unpardonable sin of telling Julia what had been carefully and tenderly kept from her. Before she could answer, Kathleen had swept past Julia and flung herself on the floor near her mother. Oh, mother, I can't say anything that will ever make you understand. Julia knows. She knows in her heart what she said that provoked me. She does nothing but grumble about the work, and how few dresses we have, and what a drudge she is, and what common neighbors we have, and how Miss Twixberry would pity her if she knew all, and how Uncle Allen would suffer if he could see his daughter living such a life. And this morning my head ached, and my tooth ached, and I was cross, and all at once something leaped out of my mouth. Tell her what you said, urged Julia inexorably. Sobs choked Kathleen's voice. I said, I said, oh, how can I tell it? I said, if her father hadn't lost so much of my father and my mother's money, we shouldn't have been so poor, any of us. Kathleen, how could you, cried her mother. If Julia wished to precipitate a tempest, she had succeeded, and her face showed a certain sedate triumph. "'Oh, mother, don't give me up, don't give me up,' wailed Kathleen. "'It wasn't me that said it. "'It was somebody else that I don't know lived inside of me. "'I don't expect you to forgive it or forget it, Julia, "'but if you'll only try just a little bit, "'I'll show you how sorry I feel. "'I'd cut myself and make it bleed. "'I'd go to prison if I could get back to where I was before I said it. "'Oh, what shall I do, mother, if you look at me like that again, "'or say how could you?' There was no doubt in Kathleen's remorse. Even Julia saw that. "'Did she tell the truth, Aunt Margaret?' she repeated. "'Come here, Julia, and sit by me. It is true that your Uncle Peter and I have both put money into your father's business, and it is true that he has not been able to give it back to us, and perhaps may never do so. There is just enough left to pay your poor father's living expenses, but we trust his honor.' We are sorry for him as we can be, and we love him dearly. Kathleen meant nothing but that your father has been unfortunate, and we all have to abide by the consequences. But I am amazed that my daughter should have so forgotten herself as to speak of it to you. Renewed sobs from the prostrate Kathleen, especially said Julia, when, as Gladys Ferguson says, "I haven't anybody in the world but you to turn to in my trouble." I am a fatherless girl, her voice quivered here, and I am a guest in your house. Mrs. Carey's blood rose a little as she looked at poor Kitty's shaken body and streaming eyes and Julia's unforgiving face. You are wrong there, Julia. I fail to see why you should not take your full share of our misfortunes and suffer as much as we from our too small income. It is not our fault, it is not yours. You are not a privileged guest, you are one of the family. If you are fatherless just now, my children are fatherless forever. Yet you have not made one single burden lighter by joining our forces. You have been an outsider instead of putting yourself loyally into the breach and working with us heart to heart. I welcomed you with open arms, and you have made my life harder, much harder than it was before your coming." To protect you, I have had to discipline my children continually, and all the time you were putting their tempers to quite unnecessary tests. I am not extenuating, Kathleen, but I merely say you have no right to behave as you do. You are thirteen years old, quite old enough to make up your mind whether you wish to be loved by anybody or not. At present, you are not. Never had the ears of the paragon heard such disagreeably plain speech. She was not inclined to tears, but moisture began to appear in her eyes, and she looked as though a shower were imminent. Aunt Margaret was magnificent in her wrath, and though Julia feared, she admired her. Not to be loved, if that really were to be her lot, rather terrified Julia. She secretly envied Nancy's unconscious gift of drawing people to her instantly men women children dogs and horses for that matter she never noticed that nancy's heart ran out to meet everybody and that she was overflowing with vitality and joy and sympathy on the contrary she considered the tribute of affection paid to nancy as a part of nancy's luck virtuous conscientious intelligent and well-dressed as she felt herself to be she emphatically did not wish to be disliked, and it was a complete surprise to her that she had not been a successful Carey chicken. Gladys Ferguson always loved me, she expostulated after a brief silence, and there was a quiver in her voice. Then either Gladys has a remarkable gift of loving, or else you are a different Julia in her company, remarked Mother Carey, quietly, raising Julia's astonishment and perturbation to an immeasurable height. Now Kathleen continued, Miss Carey, Mrs. Godfrey has often asked you to spend a week with Elsie, and you can go to Charleston on the afternoon train. Go away from Julia and forget everything, but that you have done wrong and you must find a way to repair it. I hope Julia will learn while you are away to make it easier for you to be courteous and amiable. There is a good deal in the Bible, Julia, about the sin of causing your brother to offend. Between that sin and Kathleen's offense, there is little in my mind to choose. "'Yes, there is,' cried Kathleen. "'I am much, much worse than Julia. Father couldn't bear to know that I had hurt Julia's feelings, and hurt yours too. I was false to father, and you, and Uncle Alan, and Julia. Nothing can be said for me, nothing. I am so ashamed of myself. I shall never get over it in the world.' "'Oh, Julia, could you shake hands with me "'just to show me you know how I despise myself?' "'Julia shook hands considerably less like a slug or a limpet than usual, "'and something very queer and unexpected happened "'when her hand met poor Kitty's wet, feverish little paw, "'and she heard the quiver in her voice. "'She suddenly stooped and kissed her cousin, quite without intention. "'Kathleen returned the salute with grateful, pathetic warmth.' And then the two fell on Mother Carey's cheek to be kissed and cried over for a full minute. "'I'll go to the doctor and have my ugly tooth pulled out,' exclaimed Kathleen, wiping her eyes. "'If it hadn't been for that, I never could have been so horrible.' "'That would be all very well for once,' answered her mother with a tired smile. "'But if you pluck out a supposed offending member every time you do something wrong, I fear you will not have many left when you are an old lady.' mother said kathleen almost under her breath and not daring to look up couldn't i stay at home from charleston and show you and julia here how sorry i am yes let her aunt margaret and then i can have a chance to try too pleaded julia had the heavens fallen had the paragon the pink of propriety and perfection confessed a fall had the heart of the smug one the prig melted and did she feel at last her kinship to the Carey chickens? Had she suffered a real grievance, the first among numberless deeds of tenderness, and having resented it like an old beast, forgiven it like a new one? It certainly seemed as if Mother Carey that week were at her old trade of making things make themselves. Gilbert, Kathleen, and Julia had all fought their way under the ice-pack, and were getting a glimpse of shiny wall." End of chapter 23, recording by Joyce Martin.